0: apostles, or even just for the early church, but I want to go through the Bible. Um, Last week, we took some time to look at this, and we saw that God is no respecter of persons. So he's not going to give something to one person that not everybody can partake of. He's not out handing special gifts and little presents to people and saying, you can have this, but you can't have this, and you can operate in that, but you can't operate in that. And tonight, I want to talk about tongues. Let me throw this out there first, because we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. But there is a major misunderstanding in the church today. Um, and so I'm going to detour for tonight in talking from talking about gifts of the Spirit. Now, you're probably thinking, but you just said you're going to talk about tongues. Tongues, the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is not one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. That's the first thing we have to understand. And so we have this misunderstanding that if someone is talking in tongues, it is automatically the public use of the, the one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. And so if someone speaks in tongues, then there has to be an interpretation. And if someone's talking in tongues, they're giving a prophecy from God to the people. But that's just not the case. Tonight, I'm going to talk about The private use of tongues. I'm going to talk about the personal use. And the reason why we're going here is because this is the primary use for tongues for the church today. This is the uh, primary, first and foremost use. And this is why tongues is given to a believer when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's start with Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16 and verse... 17 Mark 16:17 This is Jesus speaking he's talking to his disciples and he says and these signs will follow those who believe do I have any believers in here tonight the qualifier is those who believe he says in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues Jesus is just given the qualifier, those who believe, not those who I choose, not those who I desire to give tongues to. He qualifies it and says, for those who believe. So there's your qualifier. And he's talking to his disciples. Now, if Jesus is telling his disciples this, remember, Jesus is getting ready to ascend. He's getting ready to leave the earth. When you're getting ready to leave the earth, you're talking about the important stuff. You're not, you're not just talking about little things here and there. I mean, you're not just blowing smoke. I mean, you're, this is it. What are the last details I can get to you before I leave this earth? And Jesus says in Mark sixteen seventeen that for those who believe, they will speak with new tongues. So look at this over in Acts chapter 1. Again. Another instance where Jesus is getting ready to leave the earth. These are his final moments with his disciples. In fact, right after he makes this statement, he ascends to heaven. And look what he says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he's telling his disciples that you are about to receive the Holy Spirit. In fact, he told them, he said, I want you to go to Jerusalem, go to the upper room, and wait for the promise. And the promise is the Holy Spirit. He specifically told them to wait. He said, Do not leave town without it. He's not giving a suggestion, he's giving a command. Go and wait for my Holy Spirit. Do not go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. That's a command from the Lord. So if the Lord is given this command to wait for the Holy Spirit, it must be pretty important. I mean, think about it. These disciples are biting at the bit. I mean, you've just seen your Lord die on a cross be dead for three days, and come back up. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to start talking to people about Jesus dying and coming back to life. I'm ready to start sharing the good news, the gospel. But Jesus says, wait. There was something that was going to happen in Jerusalem that they needed to hang out for and wait for. So he says, go to Jerusalem, wait for my Holy Spirit, tarry on the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power. So let's go to Acts chapter 2. The disciples go. They wait. We know that they were in an upper room around a time what was called Pentecost, which was 50 days after Passover. Jesus died at Passover, so now we are right around 50 days after Jesus has gone to uh, has died and uh, rose again from that week. Now Jesus hung out for a little while, and he was seen. Uh, the Bible says by about 500 people after he rose again, but then he eventually was ascended, taken up to heaven. So now Jesus' disciples are hanging out. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Who gave them utterance? The Spirit. This was not a natural manifestation. In fact, we'll find out here in just a minute as we go further on down that they were actually talking in other people's languages. They were talking in an unknown tongue to them. That tongue was known to people that were there. At this time of Pentecost, there were people that came from all over different regions to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. So you got people from all over the place coming to this one location for this day. And they're praying so loudly, praying out loud, that people down on the street could hear what they were saying and understand what they were saying. But they were speaking in other tongues. Tongues was in operation. Now, this is what we call a precedent-setting event. In fact, we're going to go through the scripture here, through the book of Acts, and we're going to find out that this was a regular occurrence. But this is what we call the initial evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, remember the disciples had already received the Holy Spirit. Jesus, when he came back from the dead, walked into a house where they were all gathered. And he breathed on them and said, receive you, receive the Holy Spirit. So why is he telling them to go wait for something they've already received? Remember, we talked about it. There was an initial filling of the Holy Spirit that came upon them to do what? Help them live the kingdom character. Help them to live the quality of life that new believers ought to live. See, when you're born again, when Jesus comes to live in you, when you make him Lord of your life, he puts in you the Holy Spirit to help you walk in love because that's showing Christ to people. To help you walk in peace, to help you have self-control. We looked at that. But now he's telling them to go and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them to receive power. And at that initial experience, tongues was in place in the upper room. They're speaking in tongues. Let's keep going. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look. Are not all these who speak Galileans? So they're saying, these people aren't even from our region. Yet we hear them talking in tongues. We we hear them talking in our language. In verse 8, And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And then it goes on and it lists the different places that they were from. Verse 11, We hear them speaking in our own tongues, The wonderful works of God. Notice here that they were speaking and what they were speaking was being understood by other men. And they were actually praising and magnifying God with their words. When they were speaking in other tongues here, they were actually praising and magnifying God. That's what was taking place. They were exalting God. And as we go through this chapter, you'll see that these same people that were at first confused... They didn't know what in the world was going on. By the end of the chapter, 3,000 people came into the kingdom that day, and that started the first church. 3,000 people because of the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, this power was so powerful that it took a man named Peter, who was kind of crazy. We all know as a disciple he did some crazy stuff. And, in fact, he forsook Jesus, denied him three times, and Jesus had to go to him and say, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? This is, the, this is the Peter that now is standing up in front of all these people and giving the first sermon on the first day of the church. Talk about some boldness that came over the man. Some spiritual boldness. And he preached a sermon and 3,000 people came in. But look at this down here in, um, uh, let's go to verse 38. It's kind of a popular verse. You may have heard it. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. This is Peter speaking. And then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do not confuse the gift of the Holy Spirit with the gift of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit himself is a gift that comes upon people. But the Holy Spirit has gifts that he administers. And that's what we'll be taking a look at. There are twelve or uh, nine gifts of the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit himself is a free gift. Now again, this is where we can't get in and say the gift of the Spirit is just for some people because God is not a respecter of persons. So if, if he wants you to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, he wants us all to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want me walking in something different from everybody else. It's a free gift. That would be like saying salvation is for some people, but salvation is not for everybody. That would be like saying healing is for some people, but healing is not for some people. That's just not a true statement. Our God shows no partiality. Our God is no respecter of persons. Look here, verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now let me tell you, he's calling everybody. He's calling everybody. God is calling everybody. Don't let that verse confuse you and make you think just the only people he calls. He's calling everybody. The Bible says that he desires that none perish, no, not one. He's calling everybody. Who will yield? That's the answer. But he just said, it's to you and it's to your children. And then he took it a step further. And he said, all those who are afar off. You know what that means? That means those who up to this time have been excluded. See, the, the covenant with Moses and the covenant with Abraham, that was for certain people. That was for God's people, Jews, the Jewish nation. But now Peter says, it's not just for us. It's not just for Jews. It's for Samaritans, it's for Gentiles, it's for all these people who up to this time have been excluded from receiving gifts and from receiving the covenant. It's for everybody. So Peter goes ahead and does away with the whole, it's for some people. He goes ahead and lets you know, it's for everybody. As many as the Lord our God is calling, and he's calling everybody. So go up here to Acts chapter 2. Uh, verse 33. I want to look at verse 33 real quick. This is how the Holy Spirit reveals Himself. In verse 33 it says, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He poured out this which you now see and hear. Apparently, the way the Holy Spirit manifested Himself in this instance, it was able to be seen and heard. The evidence was clear. The Holy Spirit has come to the earth. The Holy Spirit has come to His people. And you can see what the Holy Spirit is doing, and you can hear what the Holy Spirit is doing. What did they see? Well, the reason these guys were so confused is... They look drunk. These people actually look drunk. They said, how in the world is it that they're so drunk already? It's, it's morning. They were saying, it, it's barely 9 a.m. And these guys are already drunk with wine. How, how, how can it be? They saw something, and then they heard something. What did they hear? They heard tongues. They heard everyone talking in their own tongue, in their own nationality. So, the Holy Spirit is evidence, or uh, reveals himself through the evidence of what you see and what you hear. Okay? Acts chapter 8. Go over to Acts chapter 8. Again, we're talking about the personal devotional use of tongues. And why it's important for a believer. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, again, remember, Samaria is an outcast nation. Remember when Jesus went to the well and he came to the Samaritan woman? And that whole ordeal was awkward because, not because a man was talking to a woman, but because Jews and Samaritans didn't hang out. They didn't talk with each other. So if anyone's getting excluded out of this thing, here's your Samaritans. And when the apostles from Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So there you go. Salvation's come, and now they're praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. For as ye yet had fallen upon, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they had received salvation, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Peter and John laid hands on these Samaritan people, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, it does not say, in this instance, what took place. doesn't say anyone spoke with tongues. to doesn't say there was any kind of evidence on the outside. So how do we know? Well, look at this. Verse 18. And when Simon saw, this is not Simon Peter, this is a different Simon. When Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Simon was a sorcerer. He was uh, someone that was uh, performing uh, spiritual things but for an evil spirit, not for God. And... Notice here it says that when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given. So something took place that he could see. Now again, we go back to a precedent-setting event. We can have a pretty good idea of what took place. And we'll we'll see more instances. But again, the Holy Spirit was evident. See, at salvation, when we pray for someone, there's not a whole lot of outward evidence. You don't look different. You don't talk different. Uh, right out the gate, now someone may have a different complexion, they may have more joy and more excitement about life, but initially there's there's no major change that takes place. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, as we saw in Acts chapter 2 and now we see in Acts chapter 8, that Simon saw something that proved to him, in fact it was so powerful he said, I will pay for whatever you're giving out. And then Peter and John said, whoa, you can't pay for this. This is a free gift. And you have to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. You don't pay for this. See, Simon was used to people paying him for his duties and paying others. So he thinks he could just buy it off in the same instance, but he can't. It's from the Holy Spirit. It's a free gift to anyone who yields to it. But he saw something. Saw something so powerful that he said... Whatever I gotta, whatever I gotta throw down, whatever I gotta pay, I'll do it. Let's go to uh, Acts chapter ten. Let's look at another group of people that <clears throat> we're just building, uh, building the case here that the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Acts chapter ten. Um, we went to, we went here last week, and I'll give you a quick story. I'm not going to read the whole chapter because the whole chapter is what we want to hit on. But real quick, there's a man who's a Gentile. he's a Roman centurion that's outside of the Jewish company, okay And we got this man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a Roman centurion. He's a devout man. he loves God, but God shows him one day in prayer that you need to talk to a, you need to call for a man named Peter. he needs to come to your house and, and tell you about what I'm really all about so Peter he's up praying in, in his house and he gets a he enters into a trance he gets a vision and he sees God drop down this white sheet like a white, a white sheet and in it is a bunch of animals a bunch of animals Peter isn't supposed to eat they're unclean and the voice comes down and says rise Peter kill and eat And Peter says, I I can't eat this stuff. This is unclean. I can't touch it. And the voice says, it was the Lord, the Lord says, Do not call unclean what I call clean. Now this was very important because he was about to get sent to a man who was unclean according to the tradition. He was outside of the Jewish household. Outside of the people of God. But remember that in Acts 1.8 he said, pray or go wait for the Holy Spirit. to receive power and then you'll go into Samaria, Judea, go to Jerusalem, and to all the ends of the earth. God wants this thing going to everybody. So Peter, he's obedient. The men come to get him. He goes to Cornelius' house and he starts preaching. He starts preaching about Jesus. He starts preaching about him dying. About him Rising again, about him ascending to the right hand of the Father. And in the middle of him preaching, look what happens in verse 44. Acts chapter 10, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished of the circumcision means those people that were with Peter, that had already received the Holy Spirit, have already been saved and baptized. They're astonished because, wow, the Holy Spirit's falling on people who we didn't think could receive the Holy Spirit. Circumcision who believe were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know the Holy Spirit had been poured out? Next verse. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So now this is the third instance where we have visible sight. Evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The number one thing for tongues is to understand that it is evidence of the initial filling of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone's life. They will speak in other tongues. They will speak in a tongue that is not known to them, unknown to my mind. And it's not you naturally doing it. We'll look at that. Okay? So we have the case. Go down uh, one more chapter, chapter eleven, over to verse fifteen. This is Paul recounting what just happened. And he says, And as I speak, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. Look at this. As upon us at the beginning. He's saying the same way we receive the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit. Remember that upper room, guys? Remember when we were up there? Remember when we had 120 together and then the, the Holy Spirit fell on all of us and then we started speaking in tongues? That same thing happened for these people. For the Gentiles at Cornelius' house. While I was speaking, the Holy Spirit just came down and filled them. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is a sign of the initial, uh, or the speaking in tongues is a sign of the initial filling of the Holy Spirit. One more passage here to prove this out. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. In verse 1. Acts 19 in verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now when they believed, that is their conversion. That's salvation. Verse 3, And he said to them, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Remember John the Baptist? When he said, I baptize with water, but one day there's going to be one coming that will baptize you with fire, the Holy Spirit. So, they've been baptized in water. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, Christ Jesus. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So he went ahead and baptized them again. They were baptized in John's baptism. And he says, let's go ahead and get you baptized in the name of Jesus. A different baptism. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So once more we see the Holy Spirit coming upon people and them receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is the natural evidence of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone's life. Now, that is the initial infilling of the Holy Spirit, and that's where tongues first takes place. But... Throughout the book of Acts, you find that the disciples, and throughout the Bible, you find that they were making a habit of speaking in tongues. That it wasn't just the one-time thing. There's several times where they talk, uh, you'll see that it says, and the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought they were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But there's many times where they'll come together, and it'll say, and the disciples were filled with the Spirit. And the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They made a practice of being filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual daily basis. Now, a lot of people have the question on tongues is, why pray in tongues? I can pray in English. What does tongues do for me? I can pray and I know what I'm saying. That seems to benefit me more than... Praying in a way that I don't even understand and saying stuff that I don't even know what I'm saying. But let's look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And we'll talk about all these in the weeks to come. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. So the number one uh, number one reason we speak in tongues is for self-edification. Edification means instruction and encouragement. To build yourself up. It's encouragement. Now when I say self-edification, remember, you are a spirit. Possess a soul. Live in a body. When I say self-edification, I don't mean directly affecting your natural, this natural man. You can indirectly affect your natural man but you are directly affecting your spirit man on the inside. Your spirit man is a spirit just like God is a spirit. Remember John chapter 4 with the the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus said, God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The Holy Spirit will pray through me, For self-edification to build up my spirit. That is the number one reason why we pray. In times where I'm feeling weak or I'm feeling down and I want strength, one of the most awesome tools that I have is being able to pray in tongues to myself on a daily basis. Praying in tongues. In a language I don't understand it, I don't know But my spirit on the inside knows what's going on. is talking directly to God. You know why I believe the the enemy is after it so much and wants to stop it so much? It's because he has no idea what's going on. Not even the devil understands tongues. He has no clue what you're saying. You want to keep a secret from the devil? Pray in tongues. And you want to pray out something? and you don't know what to pray anymore? Pray in tongues. When we've all been there where we've prayed, and then you just don't know what to pray anymore. You've run out of words. You find yourself praying the same thing. But you know there's more. You feel an urgency. You feel, I, I know there, there's something I need to be praying for. I just don't know what it is. That's where the Holy Spirit steps in. Uh, let's look at that. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I tell you right now, uh, praying in tongues, praying in the spirit, is one of the most effective things that I do in my life. And I don't do it around a lot of people, and I don't do it to show it off, and I don't do to 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 prove that I've got something you don't. But in my personal devotion and in, in my daily lifestyle, um, I pray in tongues. Praying tongues in the car. I pray in tongues on the job. Praying tongues walking through Walmart. Come on, we we, we we do it in English. Now, I'm not saying that praying in English is any less powerful. Here's the way I put it. Praying in English is not less powerful than praying in tongues. But when you pray in tongues, you're putting power somewhere else. See, when I when I pray in English, I'm making power available to that. That's what the Bible says. That when I pray... The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, makes much power available. The Amplified says, dynamic, in it's working. If you want to bring power to something, pray about it. But praying in tongues helps me bring power to something that I don't even know of. Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know. What is our weakness? What we don't know. You are weak in what you don't know. For for our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession. Intercession is a type of prayer for us. With groanings which cannot be uttered. And look at this in verse 27. It gets better. Now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints. Look at this. According to God's will. If you ever want to pray the perfect prayer, If you ever want to make sure you're praying in accordance to God's will, pray in tongues. This verse tells me right here that the Holy Spirit, He will make intercession for me when I don't know what to say, when I don't know what's going on. He will help in my weakness. My weakness is what I don't know. And the Holy Spirit will step in. He will pray for me. And He will pray for me. Perfectly in line with God's will. That's awesome. That just makes you want to pray in the Spirit a whole lot. Come on, I mean, you got a spirit inside of you that's in tune with His Spirit, praying in perfect alignment. That's awesome. And that's the power that is made available to a believer. That's the free gift that every believer should be operating in. The gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit prays with us. He prays in line with God's will. He prays the perfect prayer. Here's another reason. Jude chapter 20. That's right there back before Revelations. Jude, not chapter 20, verse 20. There's only one chapter. So Jude 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. The way I like to put it is when you pray in the Spirit, you are doing a spiritual workout. You are building yourself up. You are strengthening yourself in your most holy faith. That's what praying in the Spirit will do for a believer. I'm telling you, this is... This is what believers are missing, those that are feeling weak, those that are feeling down, those that are feeling like I don't feel like I can get up and go. Just start pray, Just spend time praying in the Spirit. Spend 10, 15 minutes just praying in the Spirit. Uh, when, I, when I'm going to an important meeting or I'm going somewhere that I know um, that I need to be led by the Spirit on, I'll pray in the Spirit all the way there. I'll pray in the Spirit. Why? Because. I'm taking care of something in the spirit realm. See, we've already been talking about this. This shouldn't be awkward anymore. This shouldn't be weird. But there's a spirit realm. There's a realm that we can't see. There's a realm that naturally we don't have access to. But thank God we're a spirit being. And we have access to the spirit realm because the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. So if you want to fight that spiritual battle, fight it with the spiritual source. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Spirit. There's things that I'm maneuvering and things that I'm taking care of in the spirit realm that, that that God is starting to work on people's hearts before I even get there. God's starting to put favor in my position before I even show up on the scene. Why? Because I took time to pray in the Holy Spirit. This is the, the primary use. Now, I say primary because there is a secondary, and we'll talk about that. But the primary use, the the area that gets the uh, the most benefit is you praying in the Holy Ghost in your own personal prayer life and personal devotion. That is where you'll get the most benefit. Now, again, you don't understand it. That's always the first thing. But that's the whole point. Is it your spirit talking to God's spirit? And this thing may be unfruitful, but that doesn't mean that I have to know it to know what's taking place. I don't see what angels are doing, but what did my guardian angel keep me from running into today? I don't know. What did my guardian angel keep me safe from today? I don't know. If you could see him right now, he'd be really tall and he's standing right behind me. And he surrounds my car everywhere I go. He surrounds my home. The blood of Jesus surrounds... Do I literally see blood on my son? No. But I know that the blood of Jesus covers my son. Come on, we're talking about spiritual things. If you think that this thing is only about what you see, then you are sadly mistaken. (laughs) If you think this is all about just what we see, uh, in fact... Peter and Paul both said, the, the battle that we fight, it's not even against flesh and blood. The second you start fighting flesh and blood is the second you get distracted off, off of who your real opponent is. Okay? So, let, let's, get, let, let's quit trying to, you know, I don't want to be super spiritual. and I don't, It is spiritual. If you don't realize it or not, you are a spirit. Your body only gives you access to the earth for a little while, but when your body goes down, your spirits going one place or the other. It's a spiritual thing. And your body is just the, the, the vehicle that's driving this thing around. But see, that's what God didn't want to happen. God never wanted us to get focused on the natural and forget the whole spiritual reason why we're here. He never wanted that to happen. So let's focus on the spiritual. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. I mean, if Jesus talked about it so much, He said, it's better for you that I go. I mean, think about that. You are one of Jesus' disciples. You have just spent the last three years walking the earth with Him everywhere He goes. You see the things He's doing. He's telling storms to stop. He's raising the sick. Uh, or healing the sick, raising the dead, he's casting out demons. Think about the Old Testament. This stuff did not happen like it was happening with him. You had a prophet every now and then that would raise a dead person. There was, there wasn't any casting out of demons. You got some sick being healed, but it's very sporadic. And now Jesus shows up on the scene and just starts commanding everything to happen. And then he looks at you and says, "He's 33 years old." I mean, even in our time, you're a third away. You're a third of a way of, through your life. 33, and he's getting ready to tell people, "I'm getting ready to go, and it's better for me that I go." I mean, you're thinking, Jesus, you're only 33. You got till 40, 50. You got till you're 60, 75. And he's telling us at 33 years of age that it's better for me that I go? Why? Because of the Holy Spirit. Because he wanted to put into you everything he was doing in the life that he was living. And Jesus didn't do the stuff that he did just because he was Jesus. Jesus. He didn't just show up on the planet and start doing everything he did just because, hey, I'm the Son of God. Here I am. I'm the Messiah you've been looking for. I'm a king. No. He was filled with the Holy Spirit just like you and I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. On Sunday we said that Jesus had to seek God's interest just like we do. Well, he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like we do. you got to receive The Holy Spirit. And the evidence of speaking in tongues comes with that. Uh, Let's look at another reason. Acts chapter 10, verse 46. Uh, We just touched on this. This was Peter and Cornelius. And in verse 46 it says, For they heard them speak with tongues, and what? Magnify God. The next reason... Why it's so important, or that the next thing that you do when you're praying in tongues is you're praising and magnifying God. In Acts chapter 2, remember we had the the whole uh, upper room, the 120, filled with the Holy Spirit. And it said that everyone down on the street heard them praying in their own language. And what were they praying? What were they saying? The excellencies of God. Magnifying and praising God. I use tongues in my daily life to just praise and magnify God in the Spirit. Again, I don't know what I'm saying. My understanding is unfruitful, but my Spirit is praising and magnifying God. My, 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 Holy, my Spirit, the Holy Spirit through my Spirit, is praising God and exalting God and lifting Him up. Look in a, a Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 18, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms, in hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Praising God and magnifying God, singing in the Spirit and praising Him. That's another use of tongues for the believer. It's to praise and magnify God. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Pretty much says the same thing. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts, to the Lord, your spirit, singing. Now that spiritual songs, that's two different things there. Spiritual songs, one, can be a song that you sing in English or your language, a known language, but it's by the Spirit. Like you're, you're not naturally discerning the words, you're not naturally thinking of the words, the Holy Spirit is giving you a spiritual song. But that's also singing in the Spirit, in an unknown language, in an unknown tongue. But you're praising and you're magnifying God. That is another use of tongues for the believer. Now again, this is the primary purpose. This is the primary purpose of tongues. Is to be within a believer for a daily personal devotion in your life. That's the primary use. Uh, This church will not be built off of uh, tongues and gifts of the Spirit. I will not come in here one service and give you a whole message in tongues. It's not going to happen. First Corinthians chapter 14 says that that's unfruitful. It doesn't edify anybody. Nobody's built up. Why? You don't know what I'm saying. But there are two forms of tongues. The first use is what we just talked about. The primary use. Um, if I... I should have brought my dry erase board in here. Picture this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Write God at the top, and then leave a little bit of space, and then put man underneath that. Leave a little bit of space in there. The primary use of tongues is man talking to God. You can take an arrow and draw it up from man and go to God. That is your primary use. That is where you will get the most use out of it. So you have God at the top, you have man underneath, and you have man talking upward to God. Nobody else is involved. This is the primary use. This is your, for your personal devotion, your personal time praising and worshiping God. When we get into tongues and interpretation, it's the other way around. It's God talking to man. Now, if God's talking to me through a tongue, I hope I'm going to get the interpretation. I better know what's being said. Otherwise, I have no understanding. We saw this in 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. When a man speaks in a tongue, he speaks to who? God. But when man prophesies... He speaks to who? The church. It's God talking to the church. So when you are just in your daily lifestyle, praying, praising God, singing spiritual songs in the Holy Spirit, in tongues, that is man to God. It's just another form of prayer. Just like you pray to God. Now, here's what I want to clarify. The private use can be used in corporate settings. This is where we have to be careful. Because, and I've, I've been in services where you'll get, you'll get one person that they'll just start getting real loud and praying in tongues. And you know, that's not, you know it's directed towards God. It's not directed to the body. But yet they're drawing what? More attention. And you got to be wary of that. The Bible says that if there's no interpreter, if, if God is not, if you are no longer, um, or if it's if, if not a tongue and interpretation, but it's still you talking to God, then the Bible says to remain silent speaking to yourself and to God. Which means to yourself. Which means, you know, you're not loud enough to where it's drawing attention to you. Because guess what? If your tongue is drawing attention to everybody else in the church, we're all going to be looking for an interpretation. Okay? So we have to understand the difference here. But in a corporate setting of praise and worship, in a corporate setting of prayer, it's okay to pray in tongues. In fact, Paul... Said in 1 Corinthians 7 14, do not forbid those to pray in tongues. Just make sure it's done in order. Okay? Order is the key. We don't want confusion. We don't want chaos. We don't want people wondering, what was that all about? But when you have a group of believers, now the setting is very important also. I'm not going to go to prison ministry and just start busting out in tongues. Why? Because I've got unbelievers in the room, a majority of unbelievers, that aren't going to have any idea, and they're not going to know to flow with what's going on. But when I'm in a, when I'm in a room or I'm, I'm in a church service where it's mostly believers, then they know to participate, not spectate. That's where we get lost. It's just as if I were up here, uh, say I was up here praying in English. Remember Jesus, he said, uh, do not, don't pray out loud so everyone can hear you. Well, what's he talking about? Praying in a boastful, prideful manner, bringing attention to yourself. But he said to what? Pray in the secret place. And he even gets down and says, you know, go, to, go get a closet and get yourself in it and pray. But is he saying you can't pray in public? Of course not. It's the same thing with tongues. He's not saying you can't pray in tongues in a public setting, in a corporate setting. He says just don't do it to draw attention to yourself. And if it does, then there needs to be an interpretation. But we have to understand the different forms because we will automatically default. This is the key. We will automatically default to if we hear tongues that we think it's the public use and I need an interpretation. And that's just not a true statement. And we'll, we'll break it down. We'll, we'll talk about tongues and we'll talk about the interpretation of tongues because we're going to talk about the nine gifts of the Spirit. We'll talk about all of them. But we have to be able to discern between the private use and the public use. Private use does not mean it cannot be done in public. It means this. One, it does not control the service. Number one, the private use of tongues will not control the service. You will, not, I will, you will, not get, you will never come to a service and hear me speak more in tongues than in English. Paul said, I would rather speak five words in a known tongue than 10,000 in an unknown tongue. So it will not control the service. But Paul also said, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the, with the Spirit. What's he saying? I will sing in an unknown tongue, and I will sing in a known tongue. I will pray in an unknown tongue. You may, you may hear me at times, depending on the, the course of the service, Not just for no reason, but if it's prayerful, if it's uh, praising, if it's worshipful. You may hear at times myself or other people praying in tongues, but we'll also pray with the understanding. I will never run a service just off of tongues. This ministry will not be built. No ministry is built. Not even the, the early church was built on tongues. It was in operation. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul's dealing with the Corinthian church where that was happening. They were just coming to church and everyone was just talking in tongues. And Paul's saying, Whoa, you don't understand the difference between the private use and the public use. If you want to pray in tongues, you keep it to yourself. We're not in here just all talking in tongues the whole time, and you better have something to say in English. You better be able to edify and exhort the body and exhort the church. I, I'm doing you no good if I just stand up here and pray in tongues. But that doesn't mean that you just sit there and listen. We need to be able to participate. And when we're in services like that, I'll tell people, even if you, if, you don't, if you don't pray in tongues, if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, then pray in English. Because that's a moment where we're making power available. And I've seen much power made available in those services. I've been uh, in services, in fact, just this past weekend. We're in St. Augustine. We had a powerful move. I I ministered uh, one of our victorious messages, it was awesome. They received it. I mean, they were just sucking me dry, man. It was easy. And I got to the end of it, and I just stood up here, and I knew something needed to happen. And so I just told the people, I said, pray in the Spirit. Just pray in the Spirit. So the body, who I know is mostly Spirit filled, is praying in the Spirit. And it just came to me strength. You need to call out those who need strength. They're fighting the battle, they know they're overcomers, they're, they know that they're victorious, but they just need the strength to get up. And it came to me. That did not just come to my head. And I'll tell you right now, there was probably about 15, 20 people that came down front that got directly ministered to because people gave themselves to an unction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit prayed beyond what we knew to pray. And then even when I got into praying for each one individually, I'd go up to them and I wouldn't really know what to pray. I mean, I knew I called them down for strength, but I'd just start praying in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit would start telling me stuff that they needed specifically to be prayed over. Now tell me, that that isn't better than me just getting up there and just praying a blanket prayer. I mean, that confirms that the Holy Spirit was there ministering to those people. I mean, it's one thing to to come down when I say, if you need strength to fight your battle, come down. That's one thing. But then to get down here and I start saying, this person needs strength for their job. Father, I thank you that at their job they have things coming against them. Tell me on the inside of those and bear witness and say, how did he know about my job? See, now we're moving into words of knowledge. We're talking about words of wisdom. We're talking about discernment, which is all the stuff we're getting ready to talk about. And that, may, that was made available because I gave myself to the Spirit. That is the quickest way to get yourself over to what the Holy Spirit wants to do praying in the Spirit. The quickest way. I could have sat there and, and I could have prayed in English. And I would have been limited to natural resources, but thank God that we have in a spirit, we have a spiritual resource to rely on to draw on. And so as I'm sitting there praying, I got my hand on them, and I don't know where we're going. I'm just praying in the spirit, and then stuff just starts coming up. They're, they have anxiety. They're getting ready to have a baby, and I'm telling you, I mean, you got people crying, you got people uh, that are getting excited. Because they are being ministered to specifically. And tell me that's not happening in the book of Acts. That wasn't happening in the New Testament church. That's what's supposed to be happening. But because people say it's weird or awkward or kooky or say it's been done away with, we throw them out. we're We're throwing out one of the most powerful things that's available to the church today, and that's the Holy Spirit. In fact, the church was not meant to operate without the Holy Spirit. And I'm scared for churches that are. I'm, I'm, I'm scared for churches that have done away with it and aren't preaching the Holy Spirit like they should be. And we're leaving our people powerless. We're not being able to be hooked up to what God is wanting to really do in our services. And then you have to rely on your own agenda to keep people. I'll tell you what. The, the Holy Spirit can throw my agenda out anytime He wants. I can come up here with my little outline and everything I want to do and the songs we want to sing. But, man, if the Holy Spirit, if, I, if I'm praying before a service and the Holy Spirit reveals to me, we need to move this route, man, I'd rather do that. And I've seen it happen. Ben services where God will tell the pastor, we're just going to worship God today. Now, I tell you, the more and more planned and the more and more programmed you get as a pastor, the harder it is to get away from your agenda because you're thinking, God, I put all this into it. I, I studied this out, and I planned this, and we had this ready. But man, to be ready and yielding to the Holy Spirit. And that's what praying in tongues does. It hooks me up with somebody else. It hooks me up with the person for the whole reason why we're here tonight. That's what I want to be hooked up to. And you can have that in your daily life. You can have that in your daily life. And you got a, you got a friend that's got troubles and got problems and they're coming to you looking for help and you don't know exactly what to say and you just start, you just start praying in the Spirit. You just start saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what to pray. I, I don't know what they need. You reveal it to me. And you hook up with His Spirit by praying in the Spirit and you're praying out mysteries just like 1 Corinthians 14 says. You're speaking out mysteries and then God starts revealing it to you. Say this. Do this. You don't know, Uh, I'm telling you, we come into instances in everyday life where we don't know. Where we can say, I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that person. I don't know how to help this person. I don't know where the money's going to come from. I don't know what to do. I don't know what God wants me to say. I don't know where God wants me to be. I don't know if God wants me to go back to school. I don't know if God wants me to take this business proposition. I don't know if God wants me to go out to dinner with these people. The I don't knows are weaknesses. You start praying in the Spirit, and he'll start hooking up, and you'll get a confirmation on the inside. Why? Because you yielded to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So this is the primary use. Primary. Not the only way, but the primary. This is, where it, this is how it will be used most often and where it will be the most beneficial is in your own private daily prayer life, your own devotional life. Not just when you come to church. In fact, there's more said about keeping silent in the church than there is about using it in your own prayer life. But that's the number one key. In your own daily devotional, your own daily life, Paul said, I'll pray in a tongue, and I'll pray with understanding. I'll sing in the Spirit, and I'll sing with understanding. He said, I, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than all of you. That sounds pretty boastful in a way, but what's he saying? He's saying, if you only knew the power that was made available that I know about, you'd pray in tongues more. We got we, this is very important. This is an infilling of the Holy Spirit that is for everybody. Nobody's excluded. He wants you to have it. He wants you to hook up with that power. And I'm not saying tonight, remember what we said last week, we're building desire. We're building desire. You may not have the desire for it after one hearing. I mean, Peter spoke with Cornelius and he couldn't even finish talking before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. But be... Open and be yielding and let the Word of God be open to you. Don't shut it out because you weren't raised that way or I used to go to this church or I heard people used to say this. Be open to the Word. I'm here for any questions. Don't think I'm unapproachable. Don't think I'm going to shove it down your throat. Don't think I'm going to say, you need it or you're going to hell. It's definitely not on that basis. I'll tell you right now. But it's necessary for the work in the earth that we're called to do. Amen. Father, I thank you for this word. I thank you that this body, we have ears to hear. We have eyes to see. Father, I thank you that we're not bound to opinions or structures or traditions of men. But Father, I thank you that we just want to know your word. We just desire to hear your word, to to obtain all that you have for us. So, Father, I thank you that your Spirit is continuing to speak to us, continuing to show us the Word, to reveal it. I pray that the desire and the hunger for those that have not received the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, I pray that tonight that hunger and desire is ignited within them. At... At the very least, the desire to understand more. The desire to know more. The desire to ask more questions. The desire to fully understand what the infilling of the Holy Spirit is and why tongues is so important for the believer. That we won't shove it off and it sounds weird and it doesn't sound... Father, I thank you that our comfort zones will not get in the way. This is not about appealing to our flesh. This is about accessing something in a spirit realm that is so powerful that you demanded that your disciples wait for it. So, Father, I thank you that we grow up in the Word, we desire to hear more truth, and that we will apply it and live by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well.